family, welcome to Sunday night. And how many of y'all like this time change already, huh? What in the world? We need to do away with this, don't we? But I'm happy you're here tonight. Let's go back again to Deuteronomy 6, all right? Go back again to Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll give you a moment to get there. And we're going to look again at this chapter one more time in this conference. And I hope you'll plan to be with us in every service. Now, I'm going to be addressing marriage tomorrow night, okay? Marriage tomorrow night. And then we're going to talk about family, raising our children. And we've got several things to cover throughout the week. So you don't want to miss any service. And I hope you'll come to every service and just let the Lord work in your heart. And if you'll come, I know God will. And he has an answer for every need in your life. Now, do this as well, would you? Uh, make sure you invite somebody to come with you. And how many of y'all know somebody that could probably use help in their marriage? You know anybody like that? So get them to come tomorrow night. We'll talk about that. And almost anybody needs help with their children, don't they? So get them to come Tuesday and Wednesday as well. So just a ton of opportunities for you. One of the things I've discovered is that sometimes people who really have no interest in going to church will go if they think it will help their family. So take advantage of that. I bring you greetings from my best friend and my favorite person in all the world, my girlfriend and my wife of 30 years. And so Bethley can't be here, but I bring you greetings from her. I wish she could be. I do have a few more books to tell you about as we get the week started. Uh, my friend, Brother Vaughn, put together this book called The Power of Forgiveness, How to Get Along with Everybody All the Time. This is a dynamite book on forgiveness. And it's something we have to learn to do in our families is to forgive. And sometimes issues in the home can damage us for many years. Forgiveness is the answer. And he just does a wonderful job of laying out. I love the subtitle, How to Get Along with Everybody All the Time. How many of y'all agree that's a good idea? And uh, that's just a great idea. One lady picked this up at my table probably, I don't know, a year or so ago. And she read that and she said, well, I'm not buying that. And she threw it down. She said, I don't want to get along with everybody all the time. So I gave her a free copy, so uh, I figured she needed it. And uh, here's uh, just a couple of other books. This one is a family devotional, Our Family Time with God. If you don't have a family devotional, it's at, it's at least worth having it available. It has one page for every day of the year. Find today's date, and it's got a pre-written devotional. It's an easy way to have a family devotional and a family connection. One of the things our culture is, is just pointing out across the board is that families are too busy to communicate. And we have a massive problem in our country with loneliness, with mental health issues. And a lot of it is, is as research is being done, it's, it's coming down to the fact that we're so busy, we never talk to each other. And what a great way to communicate. These family devotions are a time to sit down and hear from God and share with each other what God's doing in our heart. It's just a great tool. Take advantage of it. And then here's two others that are not necessarily family-oriented, but I, I thought I'd bring along as well. My, my friend, Brother Vaughn, put together this book called How to Approach God's Throne, Biblical Protocols for Prayer. I love this little booklet. Uh, it's really helped my prayer life. Like one of the things I learned in this book is that when you go into God's presence, you do so with thanksgiving. You ever read that in the Bible? You come into his presence with thanksgiving. You enter into his courts with praise. I'm coming back to that in a moment. So don't lose that idea. That book is just loaded. My pastor actually at my church in Florida did a Wednesday night Bible study through this book that was life-changing for many of us. It's an excellent book. If you don't need a family devotional, but you'd like a personal devotional, uh, here's the book called Oasis, and it's subtitled Daily Refreshment for a Thirsty Soul. This is just an encouraging book and a unique devotional. 
It's unique in the fact that for every day of the year, there's a verse, and then the devotional is a com just a compilation of different authors commenting on the subject of that verse. And so you're reading just different authors, everybody, you know, old, old authors, new authors, D.L. Moody, uh, Bob Jones, Robert McShay, just, I mean, it just, just covers all kinds of authors. And I've enjoyed this. This is excellent. These are on the table. Take advantage of them. And if those will be a blessing to you as the week goes on, please uh, let me know how I can help you with those. I'll be at the table before and after the service. So we're going to study the Deuteronomy 6, but let's, uh, let's do some praise, shall we? The Bible says we come into his presence with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. So here's your phrase, all right? You have to say one of two phrases. I praise God for, and fill in the blank. Or you have to say, I thank God for, and fill in the blank. All right, you got your two phrases? All right, who's going to be first? Let's enter into God's presence before I preach tonight. Who will be first? All right, yes, ma'am, go right ahead. Amen. It's hard to top that one, isn't it? That is good. I, I say amen to that one. Praise the Lord. Who will go second? Just a few of you. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a sweet spirit. Just, I love that. Great testimony. Anybody else want to take a moment to come into God's presence? Yes, sir. Wonderful, wonderful. Praise the Lord. All right, give me another one. A couple more. Yes, sir, Michael. Uh, I thank God for my awesome wife. I thank God for my awesome wife. That's good right there, buddy. That's good. Brownie points right there. Amen. Well played, my friend. Well played. All right, one or two more. One or, yes, sir. Amen. I love that. Seven years old. Was that what? 30 years ago? And uh, praise the Lord. Love that. Love that. What a great testimony. Is there one or two more? You just, anybody can, anyone? yes, sir. Amen. Praise the Lord for a Bible I can read. Yes, sir. Way back there in the booth. Praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank God for my parents. I was in my son's church in Alabama. He has about 80 teenagers in his youth group and pretty rough kids. There, there's some pretty rough ones. Most of them don't have a mom or dad. And he's got one young man in his youth group. God's just working in that kid's heart. Just a sweet-spirited kid. He's got a, you know, a nice long mullet. Y'all know about those mullets? And uh, so I opened the floor for praise, and he raised his hand, and he said, I just want to praise God that he gave me a mullet. And he goes like this right here. He's <laughs> like, all right, son, we'll take it. <laughs> God love him. I'm in Deuteronomy 6. Are you ready for God's word? Now, if you didn't get a nap this afternoon, now's your time, but please don't snore. And uh, I, uh, I'll do my best to be interesting, and you do your best to stay with me. The verse... Verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you were in the Sunday school hour, we'll review just a little bit, but let's finish this chapter uh, tonight. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land, whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep 
all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Now let's pause for a moment as we work our way through it and give an outline. We start here in the first two verses with family development. Here's the first point I want to give you tonight. The family has to be developed. So let's talk about family development. Think about that. He talks about you and your son and your son's son. So let's, we did this in Sunday school, but let's wake up again. How many of you are here tonight? Wave at me if you're here tonight. If you're here, I want to see your hand. Wave at me, all right? So he's talking about you. So he says it starts with you. A Christian family starts with you. You may say, well, I'm just, uh, you know, a, a widower now, or I'm just a widow now. No, he's, Deuteronomy is about you. So you don't have to, you don't have to have the raising children. We're all at different places. You may be grandparents. You may be just getting started. You may be single. You may be married. But the Christian family starts individually. And so he starts here with reminding us that we're developing our family. You and your son and your son's son. There is power in the family. Did y'all know that? There's power in the family. Think about the value of the family. I have five children. Abigail, Joshua, Matthew, J uh, 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 Jacob, and Charity. And uh, my five children, our plan for our five children is in Deuteronomy 6. If you said, what's the goal for your children? You'll find in Deuteronomy 6, this is our goal as, fam as our family. We want our children to know the Lord, fear the Lord, love the Lord, love the Lord's word, and live the word of God. That's our goal right out of, right out of Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6 here. And, and we wanted to know God. That's why I preached what I did in the morning service. We want our kids to be saved. So I wanted to know God. How, how many of y'all know, I mean, y'all know that if our, our, our kids will not wait, walk away from that which they love. Did y'all know that? And, and so we want our kids to love God. We want them to love him in such a way that he's dear to them, that, that they, they have an affinity for him, an affection. We don't want our kids to leave the church. So we, as part of this, we're training our kids to love the church because nobody rebels against that which they love. Don't, don't ever forget that. You don't rebel against that which you love. Like I'm a Tennessee volunteer fan. Any football fans in the room? Any football fans? I'm a college football guy. If I'm, if I'm NFL, I'd probably go for the Broncos. I, uh, primarily because of Peyton Manning being a Tennessee football player. And, and I, my heart is Tennessee football. Tennessee Vols. I, I love the Tennessee Orange. Now, I want to tell you, it's been hard being a Tennessee Vol fan. I said in a revival not long ago, I said something like this. I said, uh, I just love to win. And a lady after that service said to me, she said, I thought you loved to win. Why are you a Tennessee Vols fan? And uh, I was highly offended by that remark, although I closely resembled that remark. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been hard to be a Tennessee Vols fan in recent years because they haven't done too well. And they haven't even done as well as I hope this year. I was praying really hard that they would beat Alabama and my prayers did not get answered this year. But here's the whole deal. I love Tennessee. I love the Tennessee Vols. I'm loyal to them. I love them. I don't leave the Tennessee Vols when they have a bad year because I love the Tennessee Vols. Now, that's a silly illustration, but what do we want our kids to do? We want them to love God. So what we're going to develop that. So I have five kids, and, and here's my goal. My, my goal is that those five kids grow up knowing God, loving God, you know, fearing God, loving God's Word, and living God's Word. And I want my five children to get married. That is, not everybody gets married. Y'all know that, right? But the norm is to get married. That's the norm. Biblically speaking, that's the norm. And what I want my kids to do, I want my five kids to meet five other young people that know the Lord, love the Lord, fear the Lord, love his word and live his word. And they come together and they're married. And what's my plan then? I'd love if all my kids had five kids of their own. Now think about the value of that. In, in my generation, there's me and Bethley, and then, then there are five kids, and they get married and have five kids. There'd be 25 grandchildren. 
Now think about the value of the Christian family. What he's saying in Deuteronomy is he's pointing out the value of the Christian family. If my five children, this is hypothetical of course, if my five children had five children of their own, I'd have 25 grandchildren. Think about the next generation. If my grandchildren know the Lord, love the Lord, fear the Lord, love God's word, and live God's word, and met somebody and married them, and the person they marry knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and fears the Lord, and loves his word, and lives his word, and they get married and had five children, you know how many great-grandchildren I'm going to have? 125. Which is more than you had in church today. Now, chew on the, just to think about the power of that. That, that's, it. that's in 50 years. In about a 50-year span of time, you, you, in a family, you can have 125 great-grandchildren that love the Lord. Think about the power of that. This is why Moses is writing what he's writing, because our families are so important. We are to, we're, to, we're, to, we're to walk with God ourselves in such a way that we train our children to walk with God, in such a way that they train our grandchildren to walk with God, and the, 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 the process continues. If I had 125 great-grandchildren, and they all knew the Lord, loved the Lord, feared the Lord, loved His Word, and lived His Word. And they all met somebody that knew the Lord, loved the Lord, feared the Lord, loved His Word, and lived His Word. This is Deuteronomy 6. And they all got married, 125 of them, and they had five children. Do you know how many great-great-grandchildren Dave Young would have? A whole bunch. <laughs> Y'all know the math? Somebody did the math, didn't they? Say it. 625. 625 is just a little less than what my home church had in attendance today. One family could be as large as my church at home in Florida, and that's a pretty decent-sized church. Six or seven hundred is a good-sized church, wouldn't you agree? And yet one family could do that if they all they did was have five kids who had five kids who had five kids who had five kids. See, that's God's plan. Deuteronomy is telling us how to do it. So he's saying here, you've got to develop the Christian family. And look at how he says it here in these verses. He said, God's given you commands and statutes and judgments. And, and he, he wants, you know, he commanded to teach you these so that you might do them. That's verse 1. Why? So that you can make family decisions. What's our family decisions? That's number 2. Number 1 was family development. Look here in Deuteronomy 6 at family decision. Verse 3. Uh, 2 and 3 is about our decisions. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. That's a decision, isn't it? What do we have to do in the Christian home? We have to fear God. God, I'm going to make a conscious choice to live in light of your presence and your reality. You are real and you are almighty God and I will reverence you and serve you and live for you. You know why my family goes to church on Sunday night? You know why? Because we fear the Lord. You know why we go to church on Wednesday night? Because we fear the Lord. You know why we have a family altar? Because we fear the Lord. You know why there are things that my children have never seen in a movie theater? Because we fear the Lord. There are clothes that my children are not permitted to wear. You know why? Because we fear the Lord. There are places they cannot go. Why? Because we fear the Lord. Fear, the fear of God is this awareness that God is real, that he knows everything, that he has a plan for my life, and I live my life with an awareness of God in my life. That's the fear of the Lord. So notice that's a decision. He said that God gave you these words. Why? In verse 2, that you might fear the Lord. That's a family decision. And notice he says, you not only fear the Lord. What he says here is, uh, you gotta, you got to walk with God. He mentions this here. You keep his statutes and his commandments. And, and he mentions our sons and our sons' sons. And he says the goal is all the days of our life. 
And then he reminds Israel of what he's doing here. Hear therefore, O Israel, verse 3, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that she may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. And then listen to these verses here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. How many of y'all know that verse, do you? Here's what I learned from that verse. Verse, verse 2 says, you got to fear. This is a family decision. We're going to fear God in our family. We're going we're gonna to love God's word in our family. We're going to obey God's word. Verse 4 teaches us here that we've got to keep God first. Now, that's a theological term. Y'all know that? The Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord. That's theology, church. There's not many gods. There's one God. There's one God. He's the creator of the universe. He's almighty. He's amazing. He, he's, uh, he's wonderful. He's gracious. There's one God. But you know, there's a practical application of that. When the Bible says here in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, Here, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. What he's reminding us of here in a practical sense is, you know what we have to do? We have to determine to keep God first in our families. There's only one God. Keep him first. Make sure he's the priority, that he's the only God you serve. How many of y'all know this? Y'all know this? It's easy to serve gods of this world. How many of y'all know that? Don't we kind of have a small God in our life when, when television rules our life and demands our attention and we bow down to it every day? And I'm not, it's not like we sing songs to it, but it does govern our life, doesn't it? Uh, Instagram can do that. Money can do that. Materialism can do that. But we have one Lord and only one God. We ought to keep him first in our life. What a lesson for me and you. And, and, and it's, it's important to keep God first in your family, isn't it? Make, make sure you're in church. You got children? Well, they need to be in church. Why? Because it's a priority. God is first in our lives. God is first. He's number one. He's our priority. So we are going to honor God. Somebody said, uh, what night is your family night? And I, I would say this all our life. Family night in the young home was Sunday night. And friends of ours said, that's our night too. That's why we stay home. It's family night. And I said, now, I don't mean to be mean by this, but the reason I go to church on Sunday nights is because it's family night. You know what we do on Sunday nights? This has been the habit of our life for all 30 years of our marriage. Sunday night is family night. We get dressed, we go to church, we sing, we hear God's word, we give money to the church, and we have a great time with God's people, and then we have a party afterwards. And the family, oh, that's the young family tradition. You know what we do? We buy pizza, or uh, we go to McDonald's, or uh, we... Uh, we go home and make sandwiches, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll frequently sit down and watch a film. Y'all Are you all familiar with films? Uh, I'm independent Baptist, so I don't watch movies, so I watch films. And, uh, and, and so what we do is we, 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 we go home and watch a movie. We, you know, we'll choose something that's clean, that, that meets our standards. And what? It's a family night. It includes the church. And, 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 you know, you know you, you, you can, if you're not careful, the world will get all kinds of things between you and God. But the Bible says the Lord our God is one Lord. He ought to be first in your life, in your home. Is he first in your life? Is God first? Is he number one? Is, that, is there any evidence in your life God is first? My children would tell you if they were here, well, we knew God was first in our life. How'd you know that? Because mom and dad drug us to church all the time. Why? Because God's first. Well, how do you know God is first? Because we gave a lot of money to the church. We, we gave to missions. We gave special, you know, special offerings. I taught the kids all the time. Let's give to the Lord. Let's give generously. Let's give. Why? Because the Lord is first in our life. 
My kids would say, can we watch that movie? And I'd say, I don't know. I don't know. Let me check it out. We never watch a movie in the young family till we research it. Any language in it? Anything in it that's going to catch us off guard? Anything that would prevent us as people of God from watching that? And there are some movies that my kid, come on, Dad, everybody else is watching it. Doesn't matter. God is first in our family, and we can't watch that movie. They take God's name in vain. There's adultery in that movie. There's homosexuality in that movie. It's not what we believe because we are children of God. We are Christians. God is first. Are y'all following me tonight? God has to be first. That's, you've got to make that. It's a family decision. So you have a family development, and I, I mentioned this already today, but it's worth our repeating. How long does God give us to raise our children? About 19, 20 years. In our culture, maybe 25 or 30. Kids are staying home longer in our culture. But by all things being equal, about 18, 19, or 20 years, a lot of parents give up in the teen years. Well, you know, they're 13, can't tell them what to do. Nobody told my daddy that. When I was 19 years old, living at home, my dad said, it's bedtime, we're going to bed, and you're going to bed. And we don't sleep in in our family. My dad thought it was a sin to sleep in. We were farming kids. And if you slept in, it's because you were far from God, and you had no character, and you just were horrible, and you needed revival. That was my dad's philosophy. And my dad have a garden about the size of y'all's property. We don't need all that. It's just he needed something for his kids to do during the summer. And why? Because he didn't want lazy children. Now, now I, I'm being a little silly here tonight, but we got all these years to train our children. And it's got to start with a family development. You got to develop them. And then Moses says here, you got to make decisions. You got to decide whether or not you will fear God. You've got to decide whether or not God will be first in your life and in your marriage and in your family and in your home. And I'm just asking you to evaluate tonight are, are there any evidences at all that God is first? You know, do your children see you read the Bible? Uh, has there ever been a time when you said, wait, 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 because we're Christians, we got to turn that off. We can't watch that, or oh, we can't listen to that because that's not appropriate. We're Christians. Any evidence in your family or in your teachings or even in your, is God first in your blessings? How, how long has it been since you read the story of Job? Have you recently? You ought to read the book of Job, and we always focus on Job's suffering, but have you ever thought about Job's family? The book of Job begins with Job's family and ends with Job's family. And there's amazing lessons for us there. You'll find in the first five verses of the book of Job, probably 50 to 75 years in the first five verses. Because in the first five verses, he has 10 children. How long does that take, ladies? That's, that's, quite, a, that's quite an amount of time, isn't it? And you find in the first five verses that those ten kids are grown and have homes of their own. There's a lot of years in those verses. A lot of years in those first five verses. The lesson you learn from Job is that his family was a priority. You, you learn that right away. His, his family was a priority. What happened? The Bible tells us in the first five verses of the book of Job that here's what Job did. He prayed continually for his family and had a family altar. And when he tells us that, his kids are grown. His kids are grown, got together to celebrate a birthday, and then Job got up the next morning and made them all come over for a prayer meeting and, and sacrifices just in case, he said, that they might have sinned against God in some of the things they talked about when they were partying over the birthday celebration. This is a guy whose, whose priority is, is God. 
God is first. Y'all, y'all say, and, and it was evident in his blessings. Isn't it interesting that when Job is one of those illustrations of both sides of the equation of life, and you ought to meditate on it. What did Job do when all was well in his life? Do you know? What did Job do when all was well in his life? He walked with God, raised his family, served the Lord, honored God, lived for God in such a way as one of the wealthiest men of his day, lived for God in such a way that the devil himself marched into heaven and stood in the presence of God and made an accusation. The reason Job serves you is because you blessed him up one side and down the other and you put a hedge of protection around him. No wonder he serves you. I'd serve you too if you did that for me. Isn't that a crazy thing the devil said there? Seriously? You put a hedge of protection about him and that's why Job's serving you. Can I tell you something? The devil was right. Job was blessed up one side and down the other. What did he do in his blessings? He put God first and served him. What a lesson for me and you. And, and his, his children grew up and they loved each other and they got together and they served God together. And when the devil in one, one night set it up so that all 10 of his children would be killed and they all died at one time, you think about that. Better, better, now forgive me for saying it this way, but better that Job's kids were the ones that died than all of David's. Because King David's kids didn't all know the Lord. The night Absalom was killed, what did David do? He cried bitter tears. You know why? Because he had no assurance that his own son knew God. But Job, why could Job, after going to a funeral for ten children, say these words? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away and blessed be the name of the Lord. You know why? Because God was first in his life and, and he was all in for God. When he had everything, what did he serve the Lord? What did he do when he lost everything? He served the Lord. He served the Lord. When everything was great, he served God. When things weren't, what's that tell you? God was first in his life. And all brothers and sisters, I've come to tell you, if we're going to have godly families, we start here. You've got to go to work to develop your family. You've got to train those children. You've got you to work on your grandkids if you can. You've got to work on your marriage. You've got to be faithful to church. You've got to develop your You've got to pray up a storm. You've you, you got to get in the presence of God. And you've got to put God, you've got to make family decisions. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to live his word. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put God first in our family. I got saved in high school. I was 15 years old. And uh, I, I was in a public school. And I remember the year after I got saved, it was our you know, junior year. And prom time rolled around. Oh, that's a tough time. Y'all know that, don't you? And, and I wrestled with God about it. Now, I looked through the Bible. And as far as I can tell, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shaltest not as to go as to the promise. <laughs> But I did look through the Bible and, and I noticed that God should be first in my life and my life should honor God. And I prayed about it. Lord, should I go to this? Should I go to the prom? God, I want you to be first in my life. And I'll tell you, the reason I did not go is not because I thought I was better than anybody else, but I made a significant choice in my life. You know, I'm not going to the prom. I was practical. Sometimes there's drinking at the prom and I'm against alcohol. The way the girls dress at the prom is highly inappropriate. If you don't believe that, go to a restaurant on prom night. And, and the dancing they do is, is rather risque. Could I, 
I'd use a different word if there weren't little ones in here and I want to be wise. But the fact of the matter is, I thought, you know, Lord, I can't keep you first and go there. Now, you got to answer to God. I'm just illustrating. But I'm just not every detail of my life should say, God, are you first? Am I honoring you? Am I walking with you? My, my finances, am I pleasing you? The way I treat my business employees and fellow employees or respond to my, God, are you first in my life? Here's what he's talking about. Notice how practical this is. This is Deuteronomy 6. It's about how to have a godly family in 2023. The Bible still works in our generation. Are y'all with me or not? Are we okay? Did the prom cause you to lose? I hope I didn't make you to feel badly about that. That's between you and God. I'm not judging you. You answer to God, not me. I'm just illustrating a personal illustration, all right? I wanted God to be first in my life. And then notice what he says in verse 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Here's our next. We got family development, family decision. Fear God. Uh, get to know his word. Put him first in your life and then love him. Verse 5 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now, I preached all of that in Sunday school, so I'm not going to preach it again. But it's worth our stopping to say, do you love God? Do you love him? I mean, are you just all in? I'm glad we sang that tonight. David, you uh, did a good job. But uh, I, uh, I'm glad we sang that. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. And, uh, and you liked that too, didn't you, Caleb? Caleb? Caleb got excited when they announced that song because he knew it. And I like that song too. You ought to love the Lord. It ought to show up in your life. Love God. Let everybody know you love the Lord. And uh, you moms and dads, when you die, here's what your family ought to be able to say. I'll tell you one thing about daddy, he sure loved the Lord. One thing about grandma, she sure loved the Lord. That's what we're commanded to do. So here's our outline. All right, almost done tonight. Family development. Y'all with me on that one? And then family decisions. And then here's family devotions. That's in the text as well. And that's a repeat from this morning. I have to love God's word. Verse 6, and these words which I commend thee shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Pastor and I have a mutual friend named Micah Sell. And uh, Micah Sell worked in my ministry for about seven years, actually lived with our family, and uh, was like a son to our family. Micah, Micah took this verse literally in a unique way and influenced two of my sons to do the same. The verse says right here in verse 9 that we're to bind God's word as a sign upon our hand. And one of the things you deal with in our generation with young people and even older people now is the internet. We're, we're, we're so, everything is so online. And we shop online and we do our banking online and there's so much we do on the internet now and, and we're always connected to the World Wide Web. And my friend, Micah Self, when he worked for me, one day came to our table for a meal and I noticed what I thought was a tattoo on his hand right here. And I did a double take and I was like, what is on your hand? Oh, he said, that's my memory verse of the week. I put the reference right there. I said, why'd you put it right there? He said, because I want to have a clean heart and I want to honor God. So anytime I'm on the internet and I'm typing or I'm on Facebook, God's word is always right there reminding me that I need God's help so I can be clean no matter what happens in my life. I want to know God's word so I can apply it to everything I do on the internet. My son, my son Matthew is quite an artist and he started, you know, he had drawn different verses on his hand. 
right there, just so that anytime he's working on the internet, the word of God, my son Jacob will do the same thing sometime. And uh, it's not that I'm pro tattoos, uh, it, it's just that he wrote it on there and it washes off. A friend of mine's a pastor in Colorado, and one night he and I were hanging out together, and, and, and we, we, we get a little crazy and we're together, we're, we let our hair down, you know, he's a pastor and I'm an evangelist. And, so one night we were together and he said, uh, Brother Dave, or he said, young, he called me young, young, he said, what are we going to do tonight? And I was just being dumb. I said, well, let's go get a tattoo. <laughs> and he said, oh, really? He said, what would you get? And I said, well, my life verse, Philippians 121, I'm going to put it right over my heart, Philippians 121. And he said, well, I wouldn't do that. I said, well, why not? He said, because your chest is too small and it would just say Phil. <laughs> I was highly offended, but I got over it, and I did not get a tattoo because I don't want Phil on my chest. Y'all with me on that? So I'm not, not pro-tattoos here, but writing on his hand just was a way of applying God's Word. Hang it on the walls. I made sure that every bedroom in my home had verses on the wall. Why? Because the Bible commands us, make God's Word a prominent part of your life. And uh, we, uh, we even had a little saying in the boys. Our saying was 311, dial 311, not 911, 31, dial 311. That was based on Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think on it? Want to have a clean mind, a clean heart. So dial 311, dial 311. I preached that in a camp somewhere in Michigan. And a young man went home and I saw his grandmother about six months later. I was in their church and she said, uh, you know my grandsons live with me, don't you? And I said, I think I knew that. She said, well, my grandsons came to hear you preach and they came home and my grandson said, Grandma, would it be okay with you if I paint my bedroom? And she said, I thought about it and I thought, you know, he's 15 years old. Be good for him to paint his bedroom. So I said, sure, you can paint your bedroom if you want. And so she said, he went to the store and bought paint and I came in to look at it and he painted on the wall, three, one, one. And I said, what in the world did you put that on there for? He said, because Brother Young said, Job 31.1 is a verse to help you to have a clean heart and to do what's right. Isn't that something beautiful? Now, I don't know how you should do it, but God's word ought to be a vital part of your life. Your life. Make sure you're in the Bible every day. That's essential to Christian home. And make sure you have a family altar. Start one. Listen, if your grandkids come over, have a family altar with them. When you get together for a meal, uh, well, they're there and they're going to eat. Have a family altar. And, and just make God's word a vital part of your life. Look at how he outlines this right here. By the way, this word diligently here is a great word in the Hebrew. Thou shalt teach them diligently. It means to point. Y'all figure that? See that? It means to point. Get that picture. The word diligently means to point. So I'm to be really good at pointing my children. That's what the Bible says. This is why we live this way, because it's what the Bible says. Look, it's what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. This is what I'm to point. That means, it means to point. It means to, uh, it means to wet. Do you all know that, that idea? My son, Matthew, is a huge knife fanatic. He buys too many knives. He owns too many knives. He can tell you what steel they have, who made them, who invented them. The man, the man is an authority on knives. He loves knives, carries three at a time. And it's just ridiculous. The kid is just fanatical about knives. And he loves to sharpen knives. He charges people to sharpen their knives. People bring knives to him to sharpen them. And he can sharpen. He'll, what degree do you want? He'll say, what degree? You want a 17 degree, you know, edge on that? And, and I'm like, I don't know. Just sharpen my knife for crying out loud. I just wanted to cut something. But no, he wants to know. How sharp do you want it? Do you want it to shave your leg hair? I can do it, Dad. 
<laughs> I'm like, no, I like my legs the way they are. And so that's my son. But that word is wet. My son, you know, that, that's that idea. You, you, you've seen that, haven't you? What's he, you're wetting the edge of that blade. And what am I doing to my children? I'm, I'm pointing them to the word of God. I'm wetting their appetite for God's word. It, it, it even has the idea of to pierce. I, I'm, I'm to stick God's word in them. That's kind of a weird illustration, isn't it? In other words, I've got to have family devotions. And then there's family diligence. So here's our outline. Family development, family decisions, family devotions, and family diligence. Look at that. In Have you ever had somebody working for you that wasn't very diligent? You ever had that happen? You ever gone out to eat at a restaurant and the waiter wasn't very diligent? You ever had that happen? You needed water and you couldn't get a drink refilled and you couldn't find your waiter and they were nowhere around. You waited forever and they were lousy. You ever had that kind of service or not? You ever had that? It's annoying, isn't it? Diligence matters. I love diligence. My kids, my, my four older kids have all worked at Chick-fil-A. Now, I know y'all live here in the middle of nowhere, so y'all don't have a Chick-fil-A. But we had a Chick-fil-A just down the road from our house, and my kids all worked there. And I love Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A trained my children to be diligent. They had, they had all these sayings. One of the sayings at Chick-fil-A is, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. That'll preach right there, won't it? I loved that. And my children made the mistake of coming home and telling their mom that. And their mom said, that is a great idea. Wrote that down as a family motto. Get in there. You're leaning. Let's get cleaning. And I just, because it was diligence. And there's, you know, sometimes you can go to a place. And I went to a restaurant the other day. And it was, uh, you know, walked into order. And the person behind the counter ignored me. And I'm standing here. You know, I'm the nicest guy in the world. And I'm waiting and, you know, didn't look at me. And finally, never looked at me. Finally, she said, well, are you going to order? And I said, uh, well, sure. And while I was there, I thought I might as well jump in with both feet. I said, have you had a bad day? And she goes, no, why? Well, I just thought maybe you had. And I knew for the moment I should have walked out. I knew it's going to take a while. This, and it did. And I was late. I for crying out loud. Diligence is amazing, isn't it? I hired a guy to work on my house. He put a roof on my house in Florida. And, and there's a homeless guy in our town that got saved in our church. And he's had a real problem with alcohol and drugs. And we're trying to help him. And, uh, and, and he, he's doing much better. I finally got him a place to live, but he had just gotten saved and needed help. So my buddy in my church said, would you be okay if I hired him to come to your house and clean up the shingles? You know, when you get shingles, you know, they go on the ground and somebody's got to, so there were shingles on the ground. Somebody needed to pick up the shingles on the ground and put them in the dumpster that we were paying for so they could be hauled to the city landfill. So I wasn't home for most of it. I was traveling doing what I'm doing here. I came home on weekend and there were still shingles to be picked up and they dropped him off to pick up the shingles. He's going he's gonna to finish the job, Brother Young. And I have these big windows. They're bigger than your windows. They're almost floor to ceiling windows all through our house. And I love that because I live in the woods. I want to see out. So he's open the window. We hit the floor. We open the windows. I want the sun in. I want to be able to see out. And I was working on a sermon series, sitting in my recliner in my living room, studying and I was watching this guy work outside my house. And Michael, he drove me nuts. I, I had to pull the blinds. Because the man would pick up one shingle and wander over to the dumpster. Throw it in and take a smoke break. 
and then walk over three more and pick up one. <laughs> Take him back. I called my friend and said, you got to come get this guy because I can't handle this. At least bring him back when I'm out of town, all right? You know, a lot of us treat our families that way spiritually. I don't feel like going to church tonight. In fact, it'd probably be boring anyway. And by the way, can I just pause and say something? If we're going to have church, we ought to make it as amazing as possible. There's nothing worse than going to church and being bored stiff. It's okay to sing happy. It's okay to smile and enjoy the Lord. In fact, it wouldn't hurt some of our churches to clap a little bit while they sing. It might wake us up and help us. Now, I'm not being silly about it. I'm just telling you some reasons the people stay home. It's like, you know, I, I can stay here and be bored just as easy as I can drive all the way to church and be bored. Now, I, I think there's a point to be made. I'm going to church because I love the Lord and that's what I do. But let's make it exciting if we can. Let's make it happy if we can. And if not, let's make it 30 minutes and be done. Because you can do anything short, right? But, but here's the point. You, you, if we're not careful, we're not diligent. Family diligence is in this text. I've got to be diligent about teaching my kids the Bible. You see it again in verse 17. He said, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. You and I have got to practice family diligence. There's one more word that I want to close with tonight. You got the, you got the outline so far? There's family development. There's family decision. There's family devotion. You find here family diligence. And one more, there's family discussion. Now look at verse, I'm, I'm going to skip these verses for sake of time. Would you look all the way down at verse, uh, verse 20? Look at verse 20, would you? At verse 20. And he says, look, when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean the testimony and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Do you know why? Do you know why, brothers and sisters? Do you know why the devil has us so busy that we rarely have time to talk? Because talking is essential to a Christian family. I want you to chew on that a moment because it's true. Moses said to the nation of Israel, your kids are going to bring up issues. Why do we have to obey that? Why do we have to go to church? Why can't we watch that? Why do we have to wear that? Moses said, every time your children ask you a question about what you believe or why you're doing what you're doing, what you do is, he said, you tell them the old, old story. What you do is you say, hey, you know what happened? Years ago, your dad was a teenager and he wasn't saved. And Brother Arwood came into your dad's life and man, I'm telling you, dad heard the gospel and dad met Jesus on a Sunday night after a service and your daddy got saved through Jesus. God brought me out of the slave market of sin, Egypt, and brought me into a brand new land and saved me and changed my life. 
And I'm going to tell you, your daddy's not perfect. Do you know why we go to church on Sunday night? Because God brought your daddy out of Egypt and brought me into a new land, and I'm trying to serve the Lord. Well, daddy, why can't we do this? I'll tell you why we can't do it, kids. Because, see, there was a day your daddy was a sinner, and I didn't know God. But I got saved when I was 15, and now I know God, and I'm trying to raise you to know God. And just so you all know, kids, here's what he says at the end of Deuteronomy 6. He said, tell your kids it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Did you joke kids that or not? What he says here is you've got you to tell your kids. Don't you know this, kids? Listen to this. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Do you all honestly believe that? Yes. That serving God is for our good? Yes. That, that walking with God and obeying God and living a clean life and staying in church and having a... Do you all believe that's really for our good? Yes. But the Bible says, yes, it's for our good. And he said, it'll be our righteousness. And here's what I want. I want my kids to grow up and be righteous. I want my kids to grow up and have a righteous family. So here's what Moses says. I'm going to give you a chapter just with 25 verses to help you to get it done. You've got to start out by saying, I'm going to develop my family. And God's given me about 20 years to do it. And I'm going to get at it. And I've got to make decisions to fear the Lord and to live his word and to love him. Oh, I want to love him. I want to keep him first. And I've got to have family devotion. I got to know the Bible and train my kids to know the Bible and be diligent about it. Man, we got to talk about the Bible. We're sitting in our house watching TV. We talk about the Bible. Well, we, we, uh, we, we like to laugh. My family likes to laugh. We laugh a lot. We, we think we ought to serve the Lord with gladness. So we're happy people. We like to laugh. And sometimes we'll go online and watch funny videos. What do you do when you're watching funny videos? You teach the Bible. Sometimes it's just, well, that's hilarious. But sometimes I'm like, eh, that's not right. I'll tell you why that's not right. And, and, and my, my, my daughter, my daughter, okay, okay, daddy's preaching. Well, yes, he is, because the Bible commands me to. Yep, I have a little sermon here. It's not, it's not like a, we're going to have just as I am and get on our knees and have a revival invitation. No, it's just we've got to point to the Word. We're pointing to the Word of God. We're trying to pierce our kids' hearts with the Word of God. Y'all follow this? And here's what I've got to do. I've got to be diligent about it. Be diligent about it. It takes a lot of diligence. What have I got to do? I got to always talk about it. Family discussion. Always talk about it. My daughter said the other day at our table, she said to, to me and my wife, she said, you guys do know that you preach a lot to me. And I laughed. And she wasn't being disrespectful. She was laughing. Because something had come up. And, and she talked about it. And we all laughed about it. Then my wife said, now, now, just before we leave, I need to tell you, that the Bible says, she goes, I knew, I knew you were going to do this. That's what she said. And we all laughed about it because it's the truth. We're going to point, why? Because the Bible commands us to. When's the last time you told your kids anything about the Bible or your grandkids? Yeah, some of you, how many farmers do you have in the room? Any, any farming people here? What well, do you do when you're farming? You're with people, aren't you? So talk about the Bible. Well, riding a combine, driving a combine or riding a tractor. Take your grandkid out there and put them on a tractor with you. And then take a break. Work them real hard so they're worn out and they can't do anything else but sit there and get, get their breath and preach the word of God to them. And let them talk. Don't be afraid if kids ask you a question. Daddy, why do you do this? Grandpa, why do we do that? Grandpa, why? Why? You know, sometimes your grandkids will come and say, well, mom and dad won't let me. What a chance you have to point your kids to the word of God and your grandkids to the word of God. You see what Deuteronomy is trying to say to us? We can have godly families in our generation. We can. We can. The world's, don't you know the world was a mess in Moses' day? It's a mess in our day. 
But we are people who have the Word of God. We are people who know the Word of God. So let's live it, love it, apply it, and let's have godly families. Have I made sense tonight? All right, now here's what we want to do in every evening service. We want to open the floor for any questions and answers or even comments if you want to make one, if you want a testimony, but especially questions and answers. And uh, so I want you to think for just a moment. We've just had today together, Sunday school, the morning service, and tonight. And uh, before we end this service tonight and have a brief moment of prayer, let's, uh, let's open the floor. I came down here so I'd be closer to y'all. And uh, so do you have any questions regarding anything I've preached, any situation? That applies in this area. Anything at all. I'm opening the floor for questions. Now here's what I know. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, that's a good, great question. And when you have little ones who want, and, and let me just back up and say one, the gospel is always where we start, no matter the age. So as she asks questions, always give the gospel. When, when at this age, when she says, if she, you know, when she makes a profession of faith and she wants to be saved, go ahead and pray with her. And, and when that comes up, you know, if, she'll, if she says, you know, hey, I got saved, stop. It's going to take time. Stop everything and say, well, let's remember what that is. You go back to the fact that we're all sinners, that Jesus died for our sins, you give them the gospel again. And especially when they're little, you just continue to give the gospel. And, and what we would say to our children was that what the Bible says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus, if you call on the Lord, I used all the words, because the Bible defines it in certain, not so we can debate it in theology, but so we can wrap our minds around it, get a handle. So the Bible says, receive the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says, confess with your mouth the gospel. The Bible says, uh, 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 to uh, turn from idols to the living God. The Bible even says to repent. So what we do is we use all those phrases with our children to say to them, when you, when you believe on Jesus, when you receive Jesus, when you repent of your sins and you turn to Jesus, then he's the one that washes away our sins. And, and I would never go to the point of saying, you are saved. What I would go to the point of saying is when you do this, God does save us. And my daughter, my daughter, uh, who got saved when she was four, my daughter went through a time where she was like, did I really? I don't know. Did I really? My pastor was brilliant. I, I thank God for my pastor at this time because my pastor met with my daughter. And my daughter was like, I prayed. This is what happened. And I remember praying it. But did I really get saved? I don't know. Did I? My pastor said to my daughter, said, well, do you know what the gospel is? And she said, uh, yeah, you could say that. Well, I don't know how many times we took it through the gospel. So my pastor said to my daughter, he said, take your Bible and go find a place for about an hour and open your Bible and get on your knees and read all of those verses in prayer. Read the gospel prayer. Read the verses about the gospel, every verse you can think of. And what my pastor did was he said, ask God, God, your word says, if I believe on you, you'll save me. Is that what I did? And, and, and this is, this is what, I, what my pastor told my daughter. Ask God, did I do that? To as many as received him, to them gave me power to become. God, did I receive you? Then my pastor said, do this. In other words, listen to the Spirit of God. You all believe God is real, don't you? So you let the Spirit of God.
do his work by continually pointing your children to God, God's word. I believe with every ounce of my being that my daughter got saved when she was four, and she would believe that as well. Now, her brother made a profession when he was five or six, and when he was a young teenager, uh, he's still unclear about it. But he would say, I think I got saved when I was a kid, but I know I got saved when I was 12 or 13. I'm okay with that. See, I'm not, I'm not bothered by that. Uh, I, I have one friend who was so afraid that their kids might be a little confused that they held their son off. He wanted to be saved. I remember, he's my friend. He wanted to be saved. Mom and dad would not let him. Because I think he's too young. I'm not sure he under, they had all kinds of reasons. Well, when he was 12 years old, they were begging God to save him. Because he had been used to saying no. And it really kind of took a miracle. So it's wonderful if she's asking questions. Rejoice in that. And if she wants to pray, pray with her. Sometimes, and you adults think through this and be wise about it with me. Sometimes I think children want to be saved not so much because they're repenting of their wicked sins. They do understand they're sinners. But children often want to be saved because they love Jesus. And to me that's valid. Because what's the number one command in the Word of God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And I love the fact that my children wanted to be saved because they knew they were sinners. But they all wanted someone to be saved because they just loved God. They loved Him. They just thought He was amazing. He died for their sins. They loved Him. And so it's a good thing, Dad, you're asking. And that's what I would do if I were you. I would continue to point her to the gospel. Just point her to the truth. And every time you get a chance, talk about it. And she talks about it while you're driving to Walmart. Just talk about the gospel with her. Because here's what we know. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. So give her the word of God. Give her the word of God. Okay? That answer your question? Yes. Good deal. Love it. Love it. Is there another question at all? Before we call it a night? I'm here to... Try to be a blessing and encouragement if I can. If you have any questions at all, this is your chance. Anything at all. All right, we'll skip the next one. Is there a third question? <laughs> anything else at all? Pastor, you got any question as the pastor? Of anything I covered, you want me to elaborate on any more at all? It might be a relevant thing you mentioned about salvation to kids. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on sometimes parents ask, well, my child thought they were saved, you get saved. What about baptism? Well, if our children made a profession of faith, we taught them about baptism and then left the decision up to them. We taught them about it and, and told them what to do about it, but we left the decision up to them. If then later they're unsure and they settle things, I again teach about baptism and leave the decision up to them. And my one son, my one son said, you know what, I got it settled. That's what he said. He was, I got it settled, I got saved when I was a kid. My other son said, you know what? I think I might have gotten saved when I was 13. So I want to get baptized again. So I leave that up to the children because baptism is an act of obedience to the Spirit of God working in our heart. So I, I leave that open to the children and uh, to my teenagers and let them make that decision. And, and that way there's no pressure on my part. They're not doing it to honor Dad. And, and I'm okay. They'll ask me about it. Like my one kid said, do you think I should? And I, I was clear to say, well, what do you think God wants? And have you prayed about it? Is this what God wants? So that's a good question. Baptism is important for our children. That's a really good question. All right. Anything else at all? Brothers and sisters, anything at all? We have a lot to pray about tonight, don't we? Yeah. Deuteronomy 6 is loaded, isn't it? And we just ought to pray about it. Now, here's what you could do this week. It's a family conference. Here's what you could do. Read Deuteronomy 6. Only 25 verses. Just meditate on it. It's written to the nation of Israel. 
but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and it's about the family. So read it, highlight something in your own life and say, I could work on that. I could improve that. I could add that. And if you get nothing else out of Deuteronomy 6, get the fact, two things at least. Get two things out of there at least. Number one, you're going to love the Lord. Number two, you're going to love His Word. Get those two things out of there. All right? All hearts and minds clear? All right? Then why don't you pause for a moment and why don't you just talk to the Lord, would you? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Could you pray about something in your life?